0: Hi, everyone. Due to some, let's call them, extenuating circumstances stemming from the end of last week's episode, I do not have the time or the freedom required to record a brand new episode this week. So uh, I'm going to dive back into my own personal vault and play the very first episode of Classic Coverage that I recorded back about five years ago when I started this job as an unpaid script reader. So sit back and enjoy the prequel episode of Classic Coverage. And unlike every other prequel ever produced, I'm looking at you, Temple of Doom. Hopefully, this one won't suck. Hey there, everyone. Uh, my name is Max Davison. I am a USC Film School student, but right now I am a development intern at a wonderful production company on a studio lot, and uh, this is my podcast. So welcome. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, as, as I said before, I landed this wonderful job. Well, I mean, it's it's not paid, but you're not doing it for the money. It's for the experience. It's for meeting people. It's for learning new stories. And yeah, so I, I get to sit in this room and I get to read scripts all day, and it's it's wonderful. Everybody around me is so positive and uh, I like talking to them. It's just like listening to their stories and how they got here. And uh, there's unlimited coffee. Uh, well, I mean, as, as long as I make it, but it's all around me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I might be rambling a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, like three days a week, I get to drive on to a major Hollywood studio where they're making movies. I mean, I get to be adjacent to the Hollywood process. And it's cool, like even, uh, you know, this producer who works at this company, Sandra Hughes, she said hello to me today, I and mean, we made eye contact, which is huge. I mean, I've always heard that these uh, Hollywood producers are a little uptight, or maybe you have to leave the room while they walk in because they don't like interns, but no, that's, that's, not the, that's not the case here. In fact, the only person who's just a little bit grizzled or a little bit cold is Brooks. He's a, he's an older intern. He's been here for about five years, and he says that this job is bullshit and nonsense and it won't lead to anything. You're just going to get stuck in a perpetual rut no, no, that's not, that's, that's not, that's not what's going to happen, you know, because this job, as I said, like, everybody wants to become an assistant and then rise up through the ranks. But if not, you know, I'm just, I'm happy to have this experience on my resume. And as I said before, I get to read scripts every day, and every script is a new story. You get to learn from what good writers do good, and you get to, you know, pick up what, I don't want to say bad writers, but what uh, un- unexperienced writers do poorly. And like, like today, for example, they've got me reading this script that, that's probably going to turn into a movie. It's called Prometheus. Uh, it's by a guy named John Spates, who wrote a script called Passengers, which I've heard great things about. And uh, current revisions by Damon Lindelof from Lost. And we all love Lost. And from what I hear uh, you know, around the water cooler buzz is that this is the draft that got Ridley Scott on board to direct. Some people even think that it's a, a, an origin story, a prequel to Alien. So my hopes are high. You know, I can't wait to sit down, read Prometheus and write up some good coverage on it. But along those lines about coverage, uh, because we're on a studio, I get to drive that golf cart over to the vault whenever I want. And oh my God, the golf cart is so much fun. I mean, mean, it doesn't go that fast, but it feels like you are. You know those hand signals that you learn in driver's ed but have never had to use? You know, left turn, right turn, stop. You get to use those now. And so you get to drive around the back lot and say hey to people and park at the commissary. You know, picking up lunch is sort of an adventure for me every so often. But uh, I get to drive that golf cart over to the vault, and the vault has every coverage, every piece of coverage that's written on any script ever submitted to the studio, which, I mean, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm shocked they haven't digitized it yet because it's all still in hard copy. Yeah, so uh, I figured that since this script is an Alien prequel, why don't I take the golf cart, hop over there, and I see what they thought of the original Alien movie back from, uh, I believe, 1979. You know, the originally Scott-directed one with all the those crazy H.R. Giger uh, model sheets. Uh, anyway, so today for our first episode, uh, we're going to look at the original script notes for Alien. And uh, after we read that coverage, I'll tell you what I thought of Prometheus. You know, a little Hollywood inside story. Don't tell Nicky Fink or anything. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so uh, here we go. Our first piece of classic coverage on Classic Coverage. (laughs) Script title, Alien. Writer, Dan O'Bannon. Genre, Science Fiction. Draft date, November 12th, 1977. Page count, 118. Logline. A murderous extraterrestrial creature stalks the crew of a spaceship, hunting them down one by one. Comments. Simple, cleanly written, with an easy-to-digest concept and a claustrophobic setting, Alien is a tight, monster-in-the-house script. But shouldn't it be more than that? Where is the extra dimension that makes this story more than just a tale of survival? What are the personal stakes? What is at risk for the crew of the Nostromo other than just their lives? It isn't until the final act, where Ripley emerges as the script's true protagonist, when we finally emotionally invest in any of these characters' survival. The script, set in year 2122, revolves around the spaceship Nostromo, whose return trip to Earth is derailed by a distress signal. This signal leads them to LV-426, where Officer Kane becomes impregnated by what the script refers to as, quote, a face hugger," Bringing him back on the ship, the alien gestates, explodes out of Kane's chest, and proceeds to grow at an amazingly fast pace, stalking and hunting down the crew. While a good blueprint for a locked-in-the-house-style horror film, it takes until page 57 for the alien to burst out of Kane's chest and begin its hunt. There's lots of setup to the inevitable deadly cat-and-mouse game. This could be cut down a bit there is also no real explanation for the origin of the alien. No discussion of its physiology, for example, as it moves from egg to facehugger to incubator. The, quote, space jockey with a burst chest on the lunar planet is an intriguing mystery, but the writer seems to have no inclination to explore that plotline. There is a great story to be told about the alien's genesis, but for the sake of this script, the alien is merely just that, an alien. It is an originless force of nature. The movie could possibly be pitched as Jaws in Space, but Jaws capitalized on the universal fear of sharks. Fear of an alien attack isn't a practical phobia that most audiences would share or empathize with. Science fiction has not seen great returns at the box office. However, the recent success of Star Wars could lead to some interest in the cyclical sci-fi genre. What can and can't the alien do? This is never thoroughly established by the script. The creature grows superhumanly fast and seems to gain new strength and agility every 10 pages or so. There are no real constraints placed on the creature, with the exception of kicking it out of an airlock, and I would have liked some pipe to be laid for this development earlier on in Act 2. Later on, we learn that Ash is actually a robot sent by Weyland-Yutani to bring the alien back to Earth for experimentation. While the latter part of that is a good twist, I'm not sure what purpose Ash being an android serves other than to be an unnecessary shock value. With the exception of Ripley, the Nostromo's crew members are fairly interchangeable. Captain Dallas, Officer Kane, Navigator Lambert. They're all good fodder for the alien, but I wouldn't call any of them well-rendered characters. It isn't until Ripley becomes the de facto protagonist, by means of being the last one standing, that we start to actively root for her survival. She's strong and determined in her crusade against the primal enemy, But I can't tell you too many details about her personality. What was she like before the trip? There is an intriguing concept set up in Act 1, as engineers Parker and Brett think that they deserve full shares for this mission, asking for revenue sharing and bonuses that is equitable. It seems as though a potential class war is brewing on board the Nostromo, setting up a man-versus-man conflict, which would turn the crew against one another in the midst of this alien menace. But, Instead of using the alien to heighten the socioeconomic issue, the plotline is quickly ignored, and Bread and Parker are no more. Overall, Alien is a decent addition to the monster-in-the-house genre, but doesn't add much to it. Then again, it also doesn't detract, either. It's crying out for something more than just, will they live or will they die? Signing off on this spec script would require either a rewrite from the writer, or possibly the submission of additional visual aids for the alien creature's design. Otherwise, this submission is just too simple of a story to consider. Recommendation. Pass. Okay, what the hell did I just read? What the hell was that? no, No, I don't mean the coverage on Alien. That reader actually makes some very salient points. I mean Prometheus. What the hell was that? I mean, the script makes no sense. I mean, there's all this black goo going back and forth, and it does anything that the script needs it to. I mean, it's, it's not so much black goo as it is, like, plot hole spackle. I mean, it can create life on Earth, but that does it by dissolving the engineer's body, and then it turns somebody into a zombie, or possibly a drop of it can infect some dude who then has sex with a barren woman and impregnates her with a giant squid baby. And and these, these scientists are just idiots. I mean, I, not just the idiots who decide to take off their helmets and then poke around the local fauna and then get bitten. I mean the guy who manages to set foot on an alien planet, finds signs of intelligent life, and then he just mopes. And what's the other thing about it? I mean... All of these star maps point to this one planet, but it isn't even the engineer's homeworld, it's just their armory? And at the same time, let's talk about this mopey guy again. What did you expect to find? Did you expect the engineers to welcome you and give you the secret to existence? I mean, what do you expect? Make yourself at home, marry my daughter? I mean, ah, oh, I mean, and it was just their weapons facility. Why the point why why do we bother through this whole script if it isn't even the planet from Alien? I mean, is it a prequel or isn't it? Because at the end it seems as though the alien has been born, but uh, according to the script there are also murals of the alien being painted on the walls and so what what causalities go in here oh and by the way jesus apparently was an engineer And I am not making this up. Let me underline that. I am not making this up. In the shooting script for Prometheus, it says that Jesus himself was an engineer who was sent to Earth to judge us. We crucified him. And that is why 2,000 years ago, the engineers decided that they were going to blow up all of humanity. Even though the death of Jesus would have to then be transmitted superhumanly, like five times the speed of light to that world but why were they going to blow us up and what were they even saying and david is there i mean i guess he's an okay character and wayland and his his daughter she might be an android why is any of this happening and people think this is good writing this is something that attracted Ridley Scott this is something that's going to get me ma- oh my god is hollywood just so far out of ideas that they decided to rely on a prequel in order to answer questions that nobody ever had this business is awful this internship sucks. I'm just gonna read scripts like this all day. I that that old intern Brooks was right. Oh, well, I'm just you know what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna chuck this script up in the sky and oh oh uh one of the brads on the script was loose and it hit a pipe right above me and there's a little there seems to be a little bit of air leaking out of it. I sh, I should tell someone. You know what? Screw it. I'm not gonna be here long enough for that pipe to ever burst and yeah you know, I'll, I'll be long gone in time for that. Anyway, uh, I just found out that my boss, uh, Sandra, she has to go pick up her nephew Cal from like his piano recital, so I have to now install this new uh, coffee machine that just got dropped off. It's a a Kurig Kurig Kurig. Of course they're going to ask their intern to do it for them because hell, I'm not getting paid. Well, I'm off to go install a coffee machine before I have to read a couple other terrible scripts like Prometheus and well, I'll just take this mug from the Brentwood Children's School and <sighs> Maybe caffeine will pick me up a little bit. So that ends our first episode. Um, thank you to my friend Noah Goldberg for the theme music. It's, uh, it's a little bit uplifting. Uh, my name is Max Davison, and as these scripts have proven, even the classics could use another pass of notes.